0: The Mark Stein Show. And now, here's Mark.
1: Second, 2021. It's International Sex Workers Day today. I have no idea how that day is observed. Hunter Biden tips 15% instead of his usual 10 Or is it just another day off for barbecues and massive storewide clearances in our biggest ever International Sex Workers Day sale? Enjoy the long weekend, as Kamala would tweet. Tomorrow, Thursday, I'll be conducting a post-International Sex Workers Day edition of our Clubland Q&A live around the planet. That's at 10 a.m. North American Eastern Time, which is 2 p.m. GMT, 3 p.m. British Summer Time. You'll have to work it out from there. 10 a.m. North American Eastern on Thursday. Clubland Q&A, international sex worker clients. Leave the cash on the nightstand and hurry away with your head pulled low over your brow day. A tale of two soundbites. One isn't really a soundbite, not a verifiable got-it-on-tape soundbite, but it's being discussed as if it were. Maggie Haberman of the New York Times So she's a big deal, or at any rate is treated as if she's a big deal. Maggie Haberman reports that Donald J. Trump has been, quote, telling a number of people he's in contact with that he expects he will get reinstated by August. That's uh, two months from now. Do you believe that? Well, wait a minute, I don't really know what I mean by... uh that question, I certainly don't mean do you believe he's going to be reinstated by August. That would require, one assumes, five out of nine judges to order such a thing from the bench of the Supreme Court. It's a 6-3, quote-unquote, conservative majority, so we know three judges will oppose it. The Liberal block, and I think the word block is fair because that's how they vote. Uh, John Roberts, the head honcho, will join them because removing a president is something he'll want no part of, and so that's 5-4. So all it needs is Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Comey, Barrett to get a little queasy about the Trump restoration. Like I said way back when, a judge's republic is a contradiction in terms. So the question is, does Trump believe it? Most liberal commentary has presented this soundbite as evidence that Trump is now totally delusional, lost in a fantasy world of all all of his own. But where is the evidence of this evidence? Trump has not said these words into a microphone or in front of a camera. No identifiable personage, whether Liz Cheney or the bellhop at Mar-a-Lago, has claimed that Trump has said these words to them. Their existence hangs entirely on Maggie Haberman. Person A has said that person B has said these words to person C and D, and yet it is being taken as irrefutable evidence of Trump's descent into insanity. Meanwhile, we have these words from the man who took Trump's place in the Oval Office. Joe Biden was giving a speech the other day, and uh, he looked at those sharing the stage with him, and as is his wont, he was struck by the cute grade school.
2: And I want to thank, uh, thank you for all that you do to represent these service veterans because they're devoted to you. It's the family members, the caregivers, survivors who call Virginia home. I'm especially honoured to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine. I, uh, I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what... Look at her, she looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there with her, like a little lady in her legs car. Brittany, you're doing triple duty. As
1: a... Who, in the middle of giving a speech, notices how a child is crossing her legs? Well, Joe Biden does. He's reading off the prompter, but his mind wanders, and he starts to notice the little girl's flats and the little girl's knees. Oh, what the hell, we really should bring on the theme song. Afternoon, nap, after eating tabiola from a tray on your lap. Sun and you better take care if you find yourself climbing on a net stair. Sun down and you better take care Margaret if Catherine. you find I, you uh, so I
2: love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what. look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her... Like a little lady in a race car. Each time I see a little girl of five or six or seven, I can't resist a joyous urge to smile and say thank heaven
1: for little girls. John Hinderaker of Powerline says many have seen this as another instance of Biden's weird obsession with little girls. Yes, but I think the truth is worse than that. Worse than that, says John Hinderaker. He continues, Biden's handlers have undoubtedly warned him many times not to act inappropriately toward little girls, but when he goes off script, as here, he can't help himself. He can't help himself, indeed. Uh, One of the signs of cognitive decline is the absence of inhibition. You can't help yourself. You say things you would once have known not to say in public. Conversely... One of the signs of a functioning politician is your thoughts are The words rise unbidden in your gullet, but you're a political hack, so you know enough to know never to let them emerge from your lips. Joe Biden appears to have uh, somewhat psychologically unhealthy thoughts about schoolgirls. I don't know whether he has ever acted on them, although he has been caught on video tweaking a little girl's nipple to her evident discomfort, you can Google it. Uh, I think actually we we post, posted the clip here at Stein Online. Um, and while we're at it, there appears to be what we used to call jailbait on the liveliest scenes from Hunter Biden's laptop. But at any rate, when Joe wanders off prompter, his thoughts stray to grade schoolers crossing their legs and he starts burbling about it. That's why he could only have quote-unquote won the election by being confined to his basement. Trump on the other hand has no political thoughts are present. The words rise from his gullet and they pass through his lips, whether on Muslim bans, Mexican rapists, or any other topic, including potentially his impending reinstallation in the Oval Office this August. But he does not say things like this on camera at public occasions. And if he did, the media would not be so eager to look the other way. Trump is a transparent man, sometimes painfully so. But he is not the one adrift in a fantasy world here.
0: The Mark Stein Show presents Andrew Lawton's Canadian content. This segment will have a little bit of mission creep, as I believe Americans call it, because the story of the day in Canada is, in fact, Chinese penetration. Winnipeg, Manitoba is home to a level four microbiology lab, a lab that is equipped to handle some of the world's deadliest diseases. It's the only one in Canada. And as such, this lab has a number of projects that involve very high security clearance. Well, that hasn't stopped for the last five years, a prolonged partnership between scientists at the National Microbiology Lab and the Chinese Communist regime. The Globe and Mail reports that seven scientists in the Special Pathogens Unit at the lab have been conducting experiments and co-authoring studies on infectious diseases alongside Chinese military researchers. One of these researchers is fei Yan from the People's Liberation Army, and specifically its Academy of Military Medical Sciences. He worked for a time at this lab in Winnipeg and has also co-authored six of the papers with National Microbiology Lab researchers. Now, two of the scientists who are actually employed by Canada were fired in January after the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, CSIS, recommended their security clearances be removed on national security ground. The reason for this is that the two scientists, a husband-wife duo, had been passing information to China's Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, where have I heard of that? Uh, Yeah, I've heard of that. that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that COVID thing. No big deal. So Canada's top medical lab was home to a years-long partnership with Chinese researchers, which ended up being a partnership with the Chinese military, with the People's Liberation Army, which has a direct line in to the Politburo itself. You know, oftentimes when we think of a foreign country penetrating or infiltrating, we imagine that this requires some sort of a subversive tactic and perhaps a little bit of effort. Well, not in Canada. Canada just rolls out the red carpet, opens the front door and says, come on in to Chairman Xi and his military scientists, which has caused a one-way pipeline of information that is inaccessible to Canadians because of the security implications, but accessible to the Chinese. Now, you'd think that a security breach of this nature would be of interest to the Canadian government. Here's Conservative MP Candace Bergen, not Murphy Brown, a different Candace Bergen, asking Prime Minister Justin Trudeau about this in question period
3: communist China cannot be trusted. I know he admires their basic dictatorship. I know he liked to do fundraisers with them over the years. I know he thought they were the first go-to for vaccines but at this point we would hope that he would learn a lesson and put the safety, security and protection of Canadians above this fascination he has with the communist regime. So again, will he commit to ending this research and this cooperation with a regime that not only doesn't have our interest? Interest in mind, but actually wants to hurt Canada.
2: Honorable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, yes, from the beginning of my career onwards, I have uh, worked with many Chinese Canadians and, indeed, had fundraisers with them. And The rise in anti-Asian racism we're seeing over the past number of months should be of concern to everyone. And I would uh, recommend that the members of the Conservative Party, in their zeal to make personal attacks, not start to push too far into intolerance uh, towards Canadians of diverse origins. We will continue to stand up to defend Canadians' interests, Canadians' security. Uh, we will continue to to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep Canadians safe while participating in the global research community uh, and uh, stand up for tolerance and uh, diversity.
0: The Chinese Politburo has basically been running the show for the last five years at the National Microbiology Lab in Canada. And Justin Trudeau is concerned about the real threat, which is how people might use this to justify anti-Asian racism or intolerance. Yes, he makes his big pitch for diversity and tolerance and warns the conservatives that they should be careful before they start, you know, asking him questions about all this pesky stuff. Now, Candace Bergen in her question had mentioned something that eight years ago, a lot of people presumed was just a gaffe. Justin Trudeau making this comment about China.
2: There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar.
0: He was mocked, as one should be, for saying that they admire China's basic dictatorship, but that doesn't sound like a gaffe anymore, and no one is laughing. There is a China-sized blind spot in Justin Trudeau's governance, which is perhaps why Canada is so lagging in the vaccine race. You see, earlier on in the pandemic, Justin Trudeau basically ignored Pfizer and Moderna and put all of Canada's eggs in the basket of the Chinese regime. A Canada-Chinese partnership run by a lab called Can Sino, which went about as well as you think it would. This was later abandoned, but Canadians never made back the lost time. So when Justin Trudeau has the audacity to equate criticism of the Chinese regime with racism against Chinese people... He's doing something that is actually a tactic of the Chinese Communist Party. One of the better responses to this came from Conservative MP Kenny Chu, who, unlike Justin Trudeau, who just plays a minority as a party trick, is actually one of the Asian Canadians Trudeau claims to be standing up for.
1: I'm an Asian Canadian, and I'm deeply offended by this. How dare the wearer of blackface brownface use the painful experience of racism to shield his government's callous dereliction to protect Canada from hostile foreign regimes?
0: Well said, Kenny. Not only has Justin Trudeau sold Canada down the river to the Chinese in many key respects by welcoming them in to institutions that should be safeguarded against the Chinese specifically, but even when confronted with the reality that this was a terrible decision, he pivots to the good old liberal trick, accuse your opponents of racism. Back to you, Mark.
1: (laughs) This is Mark Stein with a new series on Serenade Radio telling the stories of the great songs and the fellows who wrote them. This week we'll start with a number that by the late 20th century was the most recorded song of all time. Everybody's done it, but it started out very differently from the way we know it today. And its lyricist will tell me how that happened. Hope you'll dial us up for Serenade Radio's very first Stein Song of the Week this Sunday afternoon at 5.30. And Serenade Radio is a UK station, so that's 5.30 British summertime every Sunday, which is 12.30pm North American Eastern Time. Uh, 9.30am on the West Coast, so it's a Sunday brunchy kind of show if you're in the Americas. Uh, Don't worry if you're in Australia, you don't have to listen in the middle of the night. The show repeats Monday at 5.30am London time, which is Monday lunchtime in Perth, or 2.30 in the afternoon if you're in Sydney or Melbourne. But whether you listen for Sunday breakfast... Or Monday lunch, you can hear the show live from anywhere around the planet at serenade-radio.com. See you this Sunday, right after Sing Something Simple. Mark's Mailbox is on the air. Brian writes, Mark... Two questions for you on matters concerning Great Britain. First of all, how on earth did Sadiq Khan get re-elected? I myself voted for Lawrence Fox. Secondly, is Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth a racist or what? Making people show ID to vote. On that last point, that makes a full set. All 47 nations in Europe require picture ID to vote. Uh, so when Bernie Sanders says that uh, when he has in mind socialism, he's not thinking of Venezuela, he's got Denmark in mind. No, Denmark requires picture ID to vote. If you're talking about systems that enable corruption and the theft of an election, you're talking about Venezuela, Bernie. No one wants any part of the election system you want to run? No one wants any part of that in Denmark, because in Denmark they don't have electoral fraud. Uh, as I also say elsewhere in uh, our great Commonwealth family, if you go to India, you need picture ID. If you go to Mauritius, you need picture ID. You go to Botswana, picture ID. Uh, You go to Kenya, picture, all those places, by the way, we're talking about places with a lot of black people. According to the Democrat Party, the only blacks on the planet incapable of obtaining picture ID are American blacks. How long are American blacks going to put up with being condescended to by racist whites in the Democrat Party? <laughs> uh, that's what it boils down to. A uh, Botswanan is perfectly used to uh, giving picture ID if he wants to vote. So's a Kenyan, so's a Mauritian, until they emigrate to America and then they're told they're stu- too stupid to get picture ID. Uh, As to why Sadiq Khan won, well, if it's any consolation, he won more narrowly. In the first round, he beat the Conservative by five points. In the second round, by 10 points. But still, he won. Um, And the short answer to that, I would say, is the demographic transformation of London. A decade ago, the 2011 census showed that white Britons, as to say those of English Scottish, Irish, Welsh stock, were a minority in their own capital city, down to 44.9%. And they were a minority in 23 of the 33 uh, boroughs of London. To repeat, this is the 2011 census. We don't yet know the results of the 2021 census, but take a wild guess as to whether that trend has reversed itself. London is a British city in the sense of the 1948 British Nationality Act, uh, which made a quarter of the world's population British subjects, but it is no longer an English city. Um, Under the particular rules for this election, voting is open not only to UK and Commonwealth citizens, but also to European Union citizens. EU citizens can't vote in parliamentary elections, Uh, But apparently they can still vote in local elections, even though the UK is no longer part of the EU. Don't ask me why. Now, an exceptionally talented candidate such as Boris Johnson was when whatever you feel about him, whatever you feel about his policies, he was an exceptionally talented candidate when he ran for London mayor Uh, and a candidate such as that can mitigate the cold reality of demography to a certain degree. But otherwise, if you don't have a particularly talented candidate, um, in the generality of general elections, a different reality sets in. If you're not terribly political, Uh, You vote for the left of centre candidate because that's the default setting of the world you live in. If you don't follow politics very much, Sadiq Khan seems perfectly normal. He holds the normal views on climate change, on lockdown, on terrorism. So if you never think about those issues, he seems entirely reasonable. Uh, Now, to be fair, the so-called Conservative candidate, Sean Bailey, holds almost all those views too. The Conservative candidate ran on a platform to make London buses emissions-free by 2025 and to offer taxi drivers interest-free loans to switch to electric cabs. He pledged to plant half a million trees and to launch a new Edinburgh-style arts festival. This is the Tory. So under the Labour candidate, you get stabbed. Under the Tory candidate, you get stabbed on the way to the new arts festival. That's the choice. And if you think emissions-free public transit is the biggest issue confronting us in 2021, well, that's a lefty issue. And it isn't surprising it works to the lefty guy's advantage uh, and not to that of the supposedly right-wing catch-up guy. Um, It's the same phenomenon you see with the Liberal Party in Canada uh, and the catch-up conservatives or with the... um, Jared Ivanka led all the criminals out of jail wing of the Trump coalition. In our culture, Sadiq Khan says the sort of things your kids' school teachers say or your NHS doctors. And that, that's not political, is it? By comparison, Lawrence Fox, with whose almost every utterance I personally agree... Lawrence Fox has no presence in this wider world. No TV or radio programme you watch, no magazine or website you read ever mentions his Reclaim Party in the same way that Maxime Bernier and the People's Party don't ever get mentioned in Canada. Loza got talked up on political sites, and what did that get him? Out of over two million votes, out of over two million votes... He got 47,000. By contrast, Piers Corbyn, the older brother of Jeremy Corbyn, the former Labour leader and lifetime Jew hater and IRA supporter, uh, his brother, Piers Corbyn, standing on the Let London Live ticket, got 20,000 votes. Count Binface of the Count Binface party got 25,000 votes. Count Binface is a count who has a garbage bin where his face should be. His views on lockdown or on electric taxi cabs or the need for a new arts festival to attract more stabbing victims to central London are unknown to me. No political websites mentioned Count Binface or interviewed Count Binface. But simply by having a funny name and wearing a trash can on his head, a dustbin in Britannic English... um, Simply by wearing a dustbin on his head, Count Binface got half as many votes as Lawrence Fox. That's rather sobering, because you can loom large to political junkies, political junkies on the right, uh, hardcore libertarians, conservatives looking for some real conservatism. And what does that add up to? 20,000 more votes than Count Binface. Uh, Trump was a very rare phenomenon, a non-political celebrity with a huge footprint in the world beyond politics and a direct connection to millions of people who never read National Review, never listen to Rush. The left has a lot of people like that from Oprah on down, but they don't want the right getting any, which is why with Trump they devoted a lot of effort uh, into turning a hitherto non partisan figure uh, into a racy-racist, homophobic, uh, neo-Hitler. They don't want figures of broad cultural appeal breaking through to put any non-Paul Ryan issues on the table. An assertive, impatient left. A cowed catch-up right. And everything else has to stay down at the Count Binface level uh, because Binface, notwithstanding his courtesy title... Doesn't count.
0: Keep up to date with the past on the Hundred Years Ago show with Mark Stein.
1: An ambush in Ireland, the dams burst in Colorado, and looping the last loop. It's June 1921.
3: A hundred years from today.
1: Your World News Update, the messy aftermath of the Great War continues in Siberia. Menshevik forces have captured the city of Omsk from the Bolsheviks. Could the Soviet regime be in serious trouble? Japan is transporting men and weapons to reinforce the Menshevik capture of Vladivostok and to prevent the Bolsheviks returning to power there. In Central Europe, they're more worried about the Hungarians. The new nation of Czechoslovakia has signed a treaty of mutual assistance with Romania uh, to prevent any resurgence of Hungarian power. The Allied Reparations Commission has awarded the United States 600,000 tonnes of ...of confiscated German ships. At the war crimes trials in Leipzig, a German court has declined to convict Karl Neumann. He was the commander of the U-boat that torpedoed a British hospital ship, HMHS Dover Castle, almost exactly four years ago. Herr Neumann was acquitted by the court on the ground that he was only obeying orders... More German court news in Berlin Sogoman Telirian has also been acquitted he was charged with assassinating Talat Pasha the former grand vizier of the Ottoman Empire 3 months ago
4: Everyone in town is always singing the song Shuffle along shuffle along Doctors, bakers, undertakers, do a step That's full of pep and syncopation Shuffle along And whistle a song Life's but a chance and what time comes to choose If you lose, don't start singing the blues But just shuffle along And whistle a song Sometimes a smile will right it wrong Keep smiling all along
1: In the United States, the all-Negro musical sensation Shuffle Along remains the toast of Broadway. In the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma... Negroes have no choice but to shuffle along to new towns, new lives. Their homes and businesses have been destroyed in a massacre that saw authorities lose complete control of the streets. Oh, shuffle along,
4: shuffle along My life for the chance and when time comes to choose If you lose, don't start singing the blues But just shuffle along, bad Mr Blake and a whistle a song.
1: Oh, sometimes the fire will right every wrong. Keep smiling to pull along. Tulsa has now been placed under martial law. Dozens are dead. It is not known what the final toll will be. Meanwhile in Colorado, there are reported to be even more fatalities in the hundreds after heavy rain caused dam bursts on the Arkansas River and Fountain River systems. Water poured into the city of Pueblo covering the downtown in at least five feet of water and in some places 18 feet, many shoppers and storekeepers were instantly swept away and drowned. Until earlier this year, Congolese preacher Simon Kimbangu was a conventional Baptist. Then he founded his own church of Kimbanguism And attracted thousands of followers by supposedly healing the sick and raising the dead. The Catholic and Protestant churches and the Belgian authorities grew concerned. Monsieur Morel, the territorial administrator, ordered the arrest of the so called prophet, but he and his son have managed to escape into the bush.
4: The storming calm of loving Irish arms will bless me, with all Irish love surrend me, and sweet Irish lips will bless me.
1: Sounds very beguiling, but mid-afternoon in Mayo can be far more perilous. A vehicle of the Royal Irish Constabulary broke down near Westport, County Mayo, and was being towed by a lorry. While the convoy was passing through Caro Kennedy, the Republican forces struck... Eight RIC men are dead, including their commander. The other 16 surrendered, were disarmed by the Sinn Féin revolutionaries, and then released. In Dublin, the government's only artillery shell factory on the island of Ireland has been destroyed by Sinn Féin. But the most telling development... Maybe the government's decision to abandon its policy of so-called reprisal burning. That's to say, whenever a unionist home goes up in flames, Republican homes are set alight. Generally speaking, unionists live in more valuable real estate than Republicans do. So as Sinn Féin foresaw, tit-for-tat burnings don't level the economic damage but do intensify anti-government feeling. Elsewhere in His Majesty's Dominions, Canada has a new Governor-General. Field Marshal Lord Bing, commander of the Canadian Corps at Vimy Ridge in the late war, will succeed the Duke of Devonshire as Viceroy in Ottawa. Bungo Bing, as he is known to his friends, inherits far more Canadians than there used to be. The new census shows there has been a 22% increase in population since 1911 for a current total of 8,788,483. The provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan both grew by over 50%. In the King's Birthday Honours of 1921, His Majesty has made the Canadian manufacturer... Douglas Alexander, a baronet. Sir Douglas is the president of the Singer Sewing Machine Company and has been recognised for his services to the welfare of workers during the World War. Jahangir Qatari, the Indian businessman and philanthropist, has been knighted. He demolished his own home at Clifton Hill in Karachi to replace it with a magnificent pavilion and pier into the Arabian Sea for the public to enjoy. In sports news, Rome, Amsterdam, Prague and Los Angeles have come up empty. The International Olympic Committee has voted to award the 1924 Olympic Games to Paris.
4: Wait till you get them up in the air, boy. Wait till you get them up in the air. And make them hug and squeeze you too. Or if they don't, just say you won't come down until they do. So wait till you get them up in the clouds, boys. There won't be anyone to watch you there. When you get her way up high, have all the fun you can. There never was a girl who'd fall that far for any man. So wait till you get them up in the air, boys. Up, 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 way up in
1: the air. Looping the loop is supposed to be a sport, but it's a risky one. As we have reported, Laura Bromwell broke records as a female stunt pilot. But at the top of a loop over Long Island, New York, her luck
4: ran out. Wait till you get them up in the air, boy. Up, 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 way up in the air.
1: She lost control and her aeroplane plummeted to earth from a thousand feet. Miss Bromwell is dead at the age of 24. Heinrich Albers Schoenberg gave his name to Albers Schoenberg disease, or marble bone disease, and was the first physician to identify osteopetrosis. The hardening and increasing density of bone, or the opposite of osteoporosis. Dr. Albers Schoenberg is dead at 56. His compatriot Ludwig Knorr was a German chemist who developed... Antipyrene, the first synthetic drug and the most widely used in the world until it was supplanted in recent years by its successor, aspirin. Herr Noor is dead at 61. Dr. Simon Baruch was one of the most influential public health figures in the United States, a great proponent of hydrotherapy, and advocate of municipal bathhouses intended to persuade the great unwashed masses to start washing. He is dead at 71. The Reverend Phoebe Ann Hannaford was a famous Universalist. She was the first female chaplain to the state legislature of Connecticut and the first woman to be ordained as a Universalist minister in New England. Afterwards, she became a pastor of the First Universalist Church in New Jersey, but departed to form. The second Universalist Church in New Jersey, after the first church, demanded she fire Ellen Miles, a lady who worked for the church and also lived with the Reverend Hannaford and was generally referred to in the community as the minister's wife. Phoebe Ann Hannaford intended to live to 100, but is dead at 92.
4: By the sea.
3: By the sea. By the beautiful sea. You and I. You and I.
4: Oh, how happy we'll be when each wave comes a rolling in. We will duck or swim. And we'll float and fool around the water. Over and under. And then up for Our is rich. my is rich. So now what do we care? I love to live be beside your side. Beside the sea. Beside the sea. By, by the beautiful sea.
1: Speaking of New Jersey, do you like being by the beautiful sea? Well, thank James Bradley, who bought 500 acres of land east of the New York and Long Branch railroad tracks and named it after the founder of his church, the American Methodist Francis Asbury, thus Asbury Park. Mr. Bradley also founded the resorts of Ocean Grove and Bradley Beach. He is dead at 91. And that's The Way of the World, June 1921.
3: A hundred years from today, a hundred years
1: from today. Oh, you know what this music means.
0: Mark Stein's Last call.
1: A follow-up to last week's letter from Yolanda Ford down under in Victoria, who asked me whether I would be memorialising, as I have the notable victims of the CHICOM-19, the victims of the CHICOM-19 vaccine. And I said I had yet to see any notable victims of those pop up in the obituaries column. And almost as soon as I said it, the case of a certain BBC presenter as they say in Britain, the case of a certain BBC presenter caught my eye. As I mentioned earlier, our Song of the Week will be airing on Serenade Radio in the UK starting this Sunday. And so a month or so back, I put myself on a couple of radio news alerts out of London, so I'd be a bit more au fait with the scene there. Uh, And uh, in hopes that that would lessen the likelihood of my, say, insulting the chairman of uh, Serenade Radio. And just about the first thing that came up was this The Real Radio Breakfast Bite with Gary and Lisa. Real Radio! Lisa Shaw died in May at the age of 44. She had been a biggish deal in northeast England for about 15 years. The morning show. Uh, She'd co-hosted, won the Sony Gold Award, which is the biggest award in UK radio. And even if you've never been to Newcastle or anywhere near Newcastle, you'll be familiar with the general vibe. It's not my kind of breakfast listening, uh, but these guys do it very well. And this is uh, a cute comic idea they hit on here. Madcap chef Andy Bates has created the world's
3: dearest kebab. Right. How much do you think this kebab costs? How much does a kebab <coughs> cost normally?
4: Ah, uh, it depends where you go. About a five. Depends if you go for medium or large, doesn't it? Yeah, but right, the- on average. Five. Let's not get I wound up in yeah, the details. I would, yeah, probably about a five. Yeah. Right, this one
3: costs seven hundred and fifty pounds. What? Uh, the snack, dubbed the Don of Old Donners, uh, <coughs> very suited to rich drunks, perhaps on the way home from the ballet or the opera. Yeah. It's going to cost <laughs> 70- You yeah, don't 70- get drunk
0: at the
4: ballet, do you? <laughs> <laughs> the bullshit! The Bolshoi! Sadler's World, Sadler's World, Sadler's World.
1: Well, a couple of years back, Lisa Shaw moved to the BBC and was hosting a big show at 10 o'clock every morning. She did her last show on May the 7th, and a few days later, the BBC announced that she was dead. Now, when someone dies in her early 40s, you would expect to be told why, but the BBC said nothing, which uh, I noticed, but I assume that has happened a few months back with a presenter in, uh, I think it was Northern Ireland, Um, it was a suicide, and they were all being very tactful about it. Then her family started making a bit of noise, and it looks as if she died of blood clots from the AstraZeneca vaccine. About a week after getting the shots, she began to get severe headaches and slid downhill from there. The coroner has put it as a possible cause of death on the certificate. Um, Usually at this point in these kinds of stories, I'd play an excerpt from a news bulletin, But as far as I can tell, none of Miss Shaw's many colleagues at BBC, radio and television have seen fit to mention this development on air. You can find it at their website, uh, but you can't find any uh, audio or video reports of it. We have noted the deaths of the young from COVID, and usually they have some underlying condition, especially in America. Obesity, diabetes. Uh, Lisa Shaw had no underlying condition. She was a perfectly healthy woman. She just took a vaccine she didn't really need to take and died shortly after. Uh, True, she was at the BBC, which is the lead cheerleader for Uh, Covid stan now and forever. So not taking it would have been a bit awkward for her uh, in uh, in professional terms. But I've no doubt she wanted to take it just because of the gung-ho groupthink that afflicts the Beeb on so many issues. And now she's dead. Identity politics is... Very interesting. We are all special. Your gayness or your Hispanicness or your transness is the central fact about you and is fascinating and defining. But in areas where particulars might actually be useful, such as airport security, they've been entirely excluded. And under the one size fits all public health model, that Fauci and Professor Pantsdown and Doug Ford and Jason Kenney have imposed, instead of protecting those most at risk, the over-sixties and those with comorbidities, we are insisting that even children who are at no risk from the virus and uh, who are negligible spreaders of it have to be treated the same as nonagenarians. Miss Shaw leaves, by the way, a young child. If... The reports pan out the way they're headed. This is a family tragedy and an unnecessary one. Yesterday would have been the 100th birthday of perhaps the greatest arranger of popular song of all time, Nelson Riddle. We mark the occasion on our Song of the Week by featuring the arrangement that transformed Frank Sinatra's fortunes. Here is a chart Nelson wrote and conducted for a Rosemary Clooney album with the faintly wacky title of Rosie Solves the Swingin' Riddle and with a faintly wacky cover of Rosie cross-legged on a chessboard with various chess pieces, including one with Nelson's head embedded in it. That's what happens when you're a star arranger. This song is usually heard as a ballad but not when Rosie's solving the swingin' riddle.
3: I get along without you very well Of course I do Except when soft rains fall And drip from leaves then I recall The thrill of being sheltered in your Of course, I do, but I get along without you very well. I've forgotten you just like I should. Of course, I have, except to hear your name or someone's laugh that is the same. But I've forgotten you just like I should What a guy, what a fool am I To think my breaking heart could kid the moon What's in store? Should I fall once more? No, it's best That I stick to my tune I get along without you very well Of course I do Except perhaps in spring But I should never think of spring For that would surely break my heart in spring but i should never think of spring for that would surely break my heart in two
1: i get along without you very well except sometimes based on a poem by jane brown thompson set by Hoagy Carmichael, uh, arranged and conducted by Nelson Riddle for Rosemary Clooney. More great arrangements of a very great song when our Song of the Week starts up on Aid Radio in the United Kingdom this Sunday afternoon. Uh, No great arrangements at all, but just me and your Stein Clubbers questions on tomorrow's Clubland Q&A, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, That's 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, 4 p.m. British Summer Time on Thursday. I hope our Continental and Commonwealth cousins can work it out from there. Stay safe, stay free.
0: Join us next time for another edition of The Mark Stein Show. The Mark Stein
4: Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media.
3: reserved.